Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, before this episode starts, I want to talk about some pretty cool news. Oki Investigations now has its own website. It's truecrime.blog. And it is a running blog for crime stories and for this show. So if you're a true crime buff and you want to see some cool things that we gathered while researching each show, including a like timeline of events that we put together, uh, newspaper clippings, court documents, and much, much more, come check us out at truecrime.blog. One, two, three. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Okie Investigations. My name is Trevor Sheldon. In this episode, we're going to discuss one of Oklahoma's most infamous criminals, Christina Marie Riggs. This mother-turned-killer destroyed her family and murdered her two small children. In this episode, we will discuss what happened, why, and what's happened since. But first, if you're a first-time listener, to experience this podcast to its finest, hit that subscribe button so when we have new episodes, you will be the first to know. Then, head on over to our Facebook page. Here we can discuss the case together, and perhaps come up with our own theories on the many cases that will be featured on this show. You can find us at facebook.com forward slash Okie Investigations. Hello everyone and welcome to the show. I've got to say, this has been one crazy week. We've been able to have our little Thanksgiving without a hitch. Then I was able to enjoy a wonderful weekend taking naps and putting up Christmas decorations around the Shelby household. You might notice that the show sounds just a little different. We have a new piece of software that we're trying out and some hardware that's on the way uh, for the show. I'm working hard to provide the best audio that I can in a home studio environment. You might hear a cat or two meow in the background, but it's going to sound really great. I've also been working on my second work-from-home project, uh, becoming an audiobook narrator. This is something that I always wanted to try, and now I feel like I have a real shot at doing it. Don't worry, the show will continue like normal, but I really want to pursue this because it's something that I feel like it's something I might be good at, and I enjoy reading. And I also enjoy working on these audio projects, and so I really think that it's something that I will enjoy. The whole process has been a lot of fun, so I'll keep you guys updated on how that goes. Speaking of this show, how are you guys enjoying the infamous Oklahoma series? Uh, just by judging by the numbers, you guys are enjoying it pretty well. Let me know how you feel over at the Facebook page, and we'll keep it going. I have a few planned out that I had no clue were criminals from Oklahoma. And I think what I might do is start working these stories into the planned episodes that I already have. That way we could have a nice mixture of different types of crimes or criminal stories. And we can just kind of mix it all together. 
Now, I wanted to provide an update on a previous episode that we had, which was the Anil Azmat episode. If you haven't heard it, go ahead and go back there, because it's kind of an interesting one, and it's one that's happened very recently, within the last few months, actually. We started covering this uh, when pretty much the, the news organizations here in Oklahoma stopped covering it, uh, which was right after his immediate arrest. There have been very few updates in his case, and it's pretty much because things have been slowed down due to COVID-19. And so, looks like the trial is going forward. They have issued uh, subpoenas from the DA's office. They are to be served to James Brown of the Oklahoma City Police Department, uh, Taylor Tambunga, who I believe Taylor is the mother to the child that had passed away and Ryan Brown who is listed as the MD and so this is a uh, this is going to be the person that um, is going to provide the medical background on what happened to the child so it's going to be interesting to see how uh, this kind of plays out and where this goes from here I'm really tempted when things get started of actually attending this court uh, proceeding I It'll be, I don't know, I'm thinking about it, thinking about it, we'll see. Let's go ahead and get on with today's story, shall we? Christina Marie Riggs was born in Lawton, Oklahoma in 1971. Now, Christina had a tough childhood. Uh, She claims that she was sexually abused by her stepbrother when she was as young as seven years old. And she was also abused by a neighbor to the house where she grew up at. By 14, she was drinking, smoking cigarettes, and smoking marijuana, and Christina struggled with obesity. She was quoted as saying, I felt that no boy liked me because of my weight, so I became sexually active because I thought that was the only way I could have a boyfriend. When she was just 17 years old in 1988, she became pregnant with her first child. Uh, She carried that child uh, to term, she had the baby, and she ended up giving it up for adoption because she felt like she couldn't take care of a child at that age. After high school, she went to nursing school. She became pregnant again in October of 1991 with her boyfriend, Justin. Justin proved what kind of father he was. He abandoned the family right after he found out she was pregnant. After that, Christina went back with her ex-boyfriend, John Riggs. They married in July of 1993 when she became pregnant again with what would have been her third child, but she had a miscarriage. Their marriage was rocky from the get-go. By 1994, she had become pregnant again, and that's when she had her daughter, Shelby Alexis. They moved to Sherwood, Arkansas in 1995 to be near where her mother lived, so she'd be able to get help with childcare. But soon after that, Christina and John ended up in divorce, And she was left to defend for herself and her two small children. Now, to kind of recap, the family is consisting of Christina Riggs and her two small children, uh, Justin Thomas, who is five years old, and Shelby Alexis, who is two years old. Now, it's not very clear. She may live with her mother at this point. I really don't know. Uh, But her mother's in the picture. Um, John, the uh, former lover, is not. Now, November of 1997, Christina is in a very desperate way here. 
she's getting little to no child support. She's working as a nurse at the Arkansas Heart Hospital, but she just cannot make ends meet. She has constant bills coming in. She kind of has a little mental break when she receives some bills in the mail and she just can't afford to pay them. So while working at the heart hospital, she was able to steal some potassium chloride and morphine and syringes and needles from the hospital. That day she went home and she had already made a plan that she was going to commit suicide, but her plan also included in taking the lives of her two children as well. First thing she did was she gave the children some lavel, which has a sedative effect to it. It's a antidepressant. And the children became drowsy from that. She then injected Justin in the neck with the potassium chloride. Sadly, this didn't have the effect that she thought it would. And this potassium chloride was undiluted. Instead of killing Justin as she intended it, it left him in agony. And she gave him an injection of morphine to ease the pain. She said she then rocked him in her arms. When the pain subsided, she then laid him down and smothered him with a pillow. After seeing what the drugs did to Justin, she decided that she was not going to do that to Shelby. She gave Shelby the morphine and then smothered her as well. Christina then covered the children with a blanket. This is when Christina decided she was going to write her suicide note. This was addressed to her ex-husband, and it read, I hope... One day you will forgive me for taking my life and the life of my children. But I can't live like this anymore. I couldn't bear it to leave my children behind to be such a burden on you or to be separated and raised apart from their fathers and live knowing that their mother killed herself. She then swallowed 28 tablets of the lavel and injected herself with the potassium chloride. Her mother came home and became concerned that she couldn't wake up her daughter and then called the police. That's when Officer David Smith and Steve Henniker entered the apartment and found the children's bodies and Christina on the floor of in the bedroom. Christina was just barely conscious, but not really responding to anything at this time. They were able to get her to a hospital and they saved her life by the next day. Christina had been arrested. According to the coroner, by the time the children were found, they had already been dead for about 10 to 14 hours. Now, at Christina's trial, she did not dispute that she murdered her children. She did plead not guilty. But I think this was more on the part of the attorneys than her. The attorneys were kind of going for a plea by reason of mental disease or defect. And they were planning on bringing a lot of people to the stand that were like psychiatrists that would testify in her defense that it was an act of love in her mind that caused her to kill her children. They also cited her working as a nurse as maybe a reason that uh, might have caused some of this mental instability. They tried to cite that she was a nurse that treated victims at the Oklahoma City bombing but could not provide any evidence that that was true. She did work as a nurse in the Oklahoma City area at the time, but there is no evidence that she actually helped any of the victims of the bombing. 
She also had a long history of depression and suicide that stemmed from the sexual abuse she suffered as a child. With all this together, the attorneys were hoping that a plea of what would be insanity would not be so far-fetched. Now, personally for me, just looking at this, you know, someone that takes the lives of their children, you gotta think that there is, there is something mentally wrong. There's something damaged. There's something not right. Because I just don't see a parent ever being able to do something like that. Even, even the worst of parents, I don't see being able to take the lives of your own children. That's just crazy. So honestly, I don't know in this one. I don't know if uh, how I would have swayed as a juror on this case. This one would be hard. This one would definitely be hard. What wasn't hard, though, was uh, this jury. They did not deliberate very long on this. And on June 30th, 1998, the jury uh, of seven women and five men took just 55 minutes to find her guilty of two counts of first-degree murder. Uh, Christina collapsed at hearing that verdict, and the trial moved to the sentencing phase. Uh, this is At this point, Christina kind of did a 180. She went from collapsing to... Christina told the jurors, I want to die. I want to be with my babies. I want you to give me the death penalty. After hearing that, it didn't take them long. The jury came back with the death penalty. They sentenced her to death by lethal injection. It was reported that Christina said thank you after that verdict was read. Now, despite seemingly wanting to die, Christina did fight for a retrial because she did feel like that she didn't get a fair shot, or at least her attorneys felt like she didn't get a fair shot. Uh, due to uh, some of the statements that were made by police officers during the trial. All of those were shot down. Christina was on death row. She was the only female on death row. They only had three cells on the unit uh, for the female death row prisoners. If you ever wonder, there is actually a law that you can't house like a female with male uh, offenders. Even in this instance where... Uh, if she left herself, she was always going to be handcuffed. She was always going to... She was going to get very little time uh, to herself. It's not like in the movies where they get to walk around a prison yard. These people are locked up 24 hours a day. And they get very little amenities. In her case, she did have TV. She was able to read lots of books that her mother provided her. Uh, she did... Uh, she did get a little bit of time out of her cell, but any time that she did get, it was spent handcuffed and uh, not a lot of freedom there. But if you ever wonder, it, it's kind of weird that you can't house females with males, even in those circumstances, even though they might uh, not ever leave their cells hardly uh, or they would never, you know, mingle uh, they they won't house them together at all. It's it's like a law. It's weird. They're supposed to really just remain out of sight. I remember working at the Oklahoma County Jail, and we had a one pod that was next to it was a male pod that was next to a female pod, and they had figured out a way that they could kite notes. And if you ever seen if you ever want to look it up, you can see it on YouTube. Um, the way they they kite notes is kind of amazing. Uh, one person will 
have a note on a string and they'll fling it under their door and in this case the females were flinging it under their door that was lined up perfectly with the male door and it would just slide under the two doors and then they would if they were in their cells uh, they could then kite a catching um note out note or a device out under their door and then grab onto it like a like a fishing line almost and hooking it and they would then pull it into their cell it was kind of amazing to see it in action uh, there were times that i would it would happen so quickly that uh, you would you would almost miss it pretty crazy anyways these the the females and the males there they would pass notes that way and even within their own pod the males could just send notes left and right to people um when they were bored there were other ways they passed notes in that in the oklahoma county jail that would uh, disgust you it was through the toilet system and uh they could pass from floor to floor there that was a big issue uh, that's a very very poorly designed gel i think anyone that's worked there will agree to that now in christina's case uh, she was interviewed and she talked about what it was like living on the female death row. Uh, she said she had pictures of her children decorated the mirror in her cell. She told the interviewer that she was eager to die. She said, I'll be with my children and with God. I'll be where there's no more pain. Maybe I'll find some peace. At the time, the Arkansas governor was Mike Huckabee. He reviewed the case but declined to intervene, and eventually the execution was set for Tuesday, May 3rd, and was to be carried out between 8 and 9 p.m. Christina was flown to the female death row just a few days prior to the execution. Christina's last words were, There's no way, no words can express how sorry I am for taking the lives of my babies. Now I can be with my babies, as I always intended. I love you, my babies. Nine minutes later, Christina was dead. Coincidentally, the potassium chloride that she used to try to kill her son is one of the drugs that killed her. I found this to be kind of a crazy story that was just kind of hard to believe actually happened. You know, and you hear it more and more now that things like this happen, and it's just so bizarre. But I guess that's, you know, the world that we live in. Anyways, guys, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I really do. Make sure that you like, share, subscribe, all those things. Um, when you subscribe to the show, you will be notified when there are new episodes available. Make sure you do that. It really helps out the show. I will see you guys next Sunday. We've got a good one planned for you. You guys have a wonderful week. See ya. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts 
to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.